Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do the Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do the Work. I am here with Mallory Bowden, and I am so happy to have you. I, you know, I recognize I say that with each guest that I have on the podcast, but truly, if I could spend the first 10 minutes talking about how I feel about the person that's here, I'd do it. And I could do that with you, Mallory. I'm really happy that you're here and grateful um, for your willingness to come on and talk about things that are sometimes hard to talk about in public. Mallory is a client of mine and is so willing and wanting to learn and grow and progress in her life. I see it. I see it. But first, you tell me, Mallory, tell us a little bit about you. Well, you're going to make me emotional already <laughs> off the bat. You're so sweet. I feel the same way about you. I, I just gush about you to all my friends. Like, you've got to see Christy. She can help you. You're my guru. Um, so yeah, I'm Mallory. I am a mother of four. I've been married to my husband for 14 years. Um, I work as a labor and delivery nurse. So yeah, I have a lot of opportunities to apply the things we learn in different areas of my life. Did you say it? You said mother of four. Yeah, mother of four. How old are you youngest now? He's three. So, so you came when he was... Yeah, I started... I was pregnant with him oh, actually when we, when we first started meeting. So that's right. That's right. Thank you for coming and for sharing today. So today I want to talk about, and really you you suggested talking about self-care, self-love, and really what it looks like to do the work. And I feel excited because you are a, a client coming in who's actually come in, met, talked, left, and then had to learn how to apply what we talk about here in my office. So, Mallory, what brought you in in the first place? Why did you come in to see me? So I feel like I started late in life learning about these things. Um, I had just gotten to a point in my life where I needed to make a change. My life depended on it. My children's lives depended on it. My marriage depended on it. And unfortunately, it took me nearly reaching rock bottom before I thought, oh my gosh, I need help. And what I realized was the only person that could get me the help that I needed, that was my responsibility. My husband wasn't going to be the one to do it. My mom, but it had to be me deciding to get help. And when I say I reached rock bottom, what I mean is I was just to a point of self-loathing and self-hatred, really, that it was bleeding into every aspect of my life, every decision I made, and it was impacting my relationships, um, my the way I parented, and so I knew I, I needed help. And meeting with you just unlocked an entire world of possibilities. I learned you know, a vocabulary and language that I never even knew. Mm-hmm. I learned the meaning of things. And um, this, it seems silly to look back, but I didn't 
truly believed that my worth was fixed. I thought it was a transaction. You know, I did this great thing. I got an A. I hit the ball in the softball game. I got a home run, those sorts of things. That's what I thought my worth was, you know, adding up. And so I had to learn that as a divine being, my worth is fixed. What what I do, who I interact with, those sorts of things don't influence my worth. And so that was a big turning point for me, learning learning that principle. You know, Mallory, as you say that, it's you said, you know, it might sound stupid. It doesn't sound stupid at all. It's human. It is, we all in one way or another wonder. And some people might say, no, I don't. But we just need a few minutes in a conversation for me to help someone recognize, oh, here's where I'm hustling for my worth. Or, he, oh, is that why I get so upset? Or is that why I shut down? Your willingness, so your humility. And I get it. Sometimes we do have to hit something hard before we're willing to say, I need help. I, And I need help even feels... Well, actually, I need help is one of the most humble things a person could say. I was about to just kind of protect that. Right, right. In truth, I need help. Wouldn't everyone's life be better if we could just acknowledge I need help? And earlier, earlier in the problem, I feel like what I was so afraid to be vulnerable and ask for help that it took things getting really bad for me to like, okay, (laughs) I can ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. Because now, now I... I can ask. That's this my last resort. Yeah. I was asking for help. I thought I could fix it. I could take care of it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Bury it. Don't think about it. And it just got to the point where I couldn't contain it anymore. Yeah. And I needed help. So good. I We talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts, but I just Mallory came in and I was trying to figure out the um, the computer and the mics to get the podcast. Immediately, I'm like, I'll just ask someone for help. Let me Let me ask someone who might know. The other day, I couldn't get my weed eater started. <laughs> and I ran over to my neighbors and she couldn't help me. And then there was a guy doing yard work. And so I asked him, can you help me get this little thing off? So many of us are willing to ask for help physically or technically or, you know, other ways. But emotional help, help sometimes we feel afraid because we don't know what it looks like, sounds like, feels like. We can see if they help me, I'm going to get my weed eater started. But I don't really know all the time. And sometimes when we get help emotionally, things get kind of muddy before they get more clear, Mm -hmm. right? Because we have to clear some things out. And when you move the mud, it dirties the water sometimes to come to the other side. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, It's so much easier to ask for help with you know, if your cell phone broke, you wouldn't even hesitate to go yeah. to T-Mobile and get a new phone. Yeah. Or even if you like hurt your back, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the chiropractor. I'm going to go get a massage. And it's a no brainer. Yeah. But I think there's something about emotional help that's scary. And because that's who you are. That And it's scary to show people that vulnerability. I'm not afraid to tell you, oh, my shoulder hurts. Yeah. But it's scary to say, I worry about what people think of me yeah or why am I so anxious I'm yeah I I know you know when you were saying you you hit this really painful space I thought if if people saw you they might think why does she get it all Mm -hmm. oh she has it all together she's so pretty she has the job the kids the house sounds like you've heard that before 
Well, I, well, yeah, it's sad because I do think, I mean, I see that in myself, like looking at other people and thinking, oh man, yeah, the grass is greener. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I saw something the other day that actually made me laugh. It said the grass is gre- the grass is greener until you something like until you get over there and realize it's fake, <laughs> like fake grass. Yeah, it's like toast. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good. Okay. So when I started the podcast, you reached out and said, "Because I said, will you come on?" You said, "Yes, yeah, so come on," and and you said, "Let's talk about what it looks like, what it feels like." So tell us, what does it look like? Why did you go here? How did you talked about the self-loathing that you felt? Mallory, how did you learn to love you? How did you, what are your practices? Tell me more. So I think it started with forgiveness for sure. And having um, grace and patience with myself. And you taught me that. I think we had spoken about forgiveness and how I felt like I didn't deserve it. And you said that... Um, it's okay if I talk about like religious aspects. Okay. Uh, And and so you had spoken, you you spoke about the atonement and how am I, is my problem too big for the savior's atonement? Like, am I, is my problem worse than that? And it's not. Yeah. And I just, that, that was logical enough for me to like, Oh, okay. Like he had, he's descended below all things and I'm not greater than that. Yeah. And so first off, realizing, okay, I'm not, I'm not so broken that it can't be fixed. I'm, I can be saved. Yes. And I had just felt like I had dug myself into such a deep hole that there was no way I could ever get out. And so, yeah, just starting from there, just learning, oh, I can be saved. The atonement is infinite. And my problem isn't too big that it can't be fixed. Yeah. I love your language because that's what shame says. That's how shame speaks, right? Christ says, come unto me. And there's no qualifiers. There's no like, unless you made, you know, unless you made these mistakes or unless you look like this or unless you come from this valley, no qualifiers, come unto me. But shame has all these qualifiers for your ability to be fixed. Or I don't even like to be fixed for you to heal. And to feel whole and to take your experience. And instead of living in shame around our childhood experiences or fear from those or the choices we make as adults, actually taking every one of those experiences and moving them into like learning opportunities and growth, like growth. That's what you did. Yeah. Like the refiner's fire, that analogy that I realized oh, wow, I've been through some hard things. Think of how much shinier I can be. Yeah. Um, now, and I just, I remember thinking at the beginning of my journey, I just thought, wow, imagine, you know, if I can successfully do this, how many people can I help? And just, I felt like this mantle of responsibility, like for my children, for my friends, for my family, I need to do this, not just for myself, but I want to show the path, like clear the path and show people in my life, how easy, how easy it is. I mean, not easy, but it it can be done. There is a path, there's a way. And another thing I think people might not know is that it's not just you like a work, you work out and then you're buff and fit. It's like something you have to do over and over again. So I have to make choices every day to live in truth, 
to remember my worth, to check my motive, to check what story I'm telling myself. It wasn't just, oh, I had three sessions with Christy. I'm fixed. (laughs) No, not even. And and so it doesn't change your circumstances, but it does change how you handle the circumstance and get through tough things. Yes, I I have. As you said that, you're spot on. I was listening to a podcast this morning. I do a little podcast group with some women and we listen to a podcast once a month and then gather and discuss the podcast. And the podcast tonight is um, Eckhart Tolle. I'm not really sure how to say his last name, but you know Eckhart Tolle. (laughs) Eckhart Tolle. I think it's Tolle. Anyway, um, he's talking about suffering and, and, and peace. And he actually said in order to make, so he's talking about when we want to become physically strong, then we, he says, in order to make your body strong, you must make life difficult for your body. Meaning you have to go to the gym, you have to lift, you have to do all of those things. But I love how he said that if you want it to be strong, you have to make it difficult. Walking in here and Mallory, am I honest with my, like, am I clear when I speak? Is it always sweet? Oh, no. Yeah, it's. (laughs) It's definitely tough love, but I trust you. And so I know it's coming from a place of love and caring. And so it's good feedback. So, so what I'm sharing sometimes makes it difficult. Oh, for sure. And it's a lot of unlearning that I had to do. And then also a lot of realizations and, and accountability, which is sometimes hard to do. I made this bad choice, but I'm not bad. Yeah. Yes. Learning how to separate the truth from the fiction. I think one of, and we have a podcast coming up about how to be kind and how to be honest. And that's something that's really important when someone wants to change, they have to have someone in their life that will be kind or empathetic and honest. Or there is, there's, we can't, we don't see ourselves clearly. That's just the truth. So anyway. Yeah. Brene Brown, she I can't remember what she calls it, but she says you have this little box of like trust. Mm. There's just a few names in that box. And it's people that you value their opinion. You know, they're going to give you honest feedback. Yeah. And so often she calls it the cheap seats. You don't want feedback from the cheap seats. People that aren't doing the work that don't live in truth or don't like have the best interests for you aren't doing the work themselves. So you have to find those people in your life that can fit in that box and can give you feedback. And for me, like I would write your name in there for sure, because I trust your feedback. You're doing the work. And I, I know that you're coming from a place of truth. I want to be in your box. <laughs> you make sure my name. Oh, you box. got it, girl. <laughs> okay. So you chose to come in and, or, and, and we're talking, so you came to see me, but there are so many options for ways of people to get help. There. There's just a lot of options. So, but we'll stick here for a minute. So coming, so you said I had to learn how to love myself. Tell me what that looked like for you. So the first step I I already spoke about this was understanding my worth, understanding that it's fixed and the things I do, the choices I make, it's not going to diminish my worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I wish like in church, Instead of using the word worthy, I wish they would say qualify more. So I feel like at a young age, I always thought like, oh, if I'm not living this way, then I'm not worthy. Mm. And I thought that meant my worst. Oh, that's really good. So what, so give me a, a sentence. What would it sound like differently? Um, 
do you qualify to go to the temple or take the sacrament or do you qualify to be in the Lord's presence? You know, whatever. Because worthy connected to worth. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that root word, it was, I could not separate the meanings. To me, it was one and the same. Yeah. And so I've had to learn, okay, is this something that's, that it's more about qualification and not. Yeah. Like there are boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you get to the boundaries. Right. Right. Come to this place or to have this experience. Yeah. Because anything with that root word worth in it, it just, I feel like it leads me down that shame path. Yeah. Pretty instantly. I um, like that suggestion. And so, yeah, loving myself. Also, loving myself, what does it look like? Um, I ask myself why and I look at my motive. So before I went and started this this learning and doing the work, I was definitely a people pleaser. And I was looking for my worth. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh. Everything I was doing was trying to get a hit of, you know, that dopamine, get a hit of that worth, feeling love, feeling accepted, whether it was the friends I had, the clothes I was wearing. Oh, if I do my makeup really good and my hair really good, then people will notice me and then I'll feel loved and I'll feel worthy and I'll feel accepted. Yeah. Oh, if I get straight A's in college, if I'm, if I'm in the honors program, then I'll be, that I'll matter and people will notice me and then I will feel loved. Yeah. Were you conscious of those thoughts or did you just feel anxious? Yeah. It was just an anxiety thing and about getting good. I didn't know why. Yeah. And learning the why, honestly stopping and saying, if this happens, then it means this. And if that happens, it means this. So an example, um, this is one you gave me one time. I found myself getting really stressed out in the morning when I was getting the kids ready for school. And a lot of the tension and and bad feelings came around doing my daughter's hair because we're running late oh my gosh we have to brush her hair out and she's screaming it hurts yeah you know it didn't matter how much detangler we used it was still you know horrible and I would find myself like losing my patience and getting angry and I and I started thinking about why why do I get so mad and you sort of helped me walk it back it's like okay if my daughter's hair doesn't look perfect then that means I uh, don't manage my time. And that means I'm a bad mom. And that means I don't matter. And you walk it back. And then I realize, oh, that's so dumb. So her hair was actually about you. Yeah, it was about me somehow. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it. And it seems silly. But once you walk it back that way and realize it, you're like, oh, my worth is not based on how cute my daughter's hair looks for kindergarten. (laughs) So now she's in fourth grade. And you know, I think she had a little snarl today under her right ear. It's fine. <laughs> like we just went with it. That's such a good example. So in to get back there, when I'm getting upset, you would ask yourself, what does it mean about me? Yeah. If my daughter's hair doesn't. Because yeah. That's what, because lots of us want to say like, no, no, I just want the best for my daughter. Right. But in truth, what does it mean about me? And it's, it's vice versa. If you didn't care at all, what's your hair, what's your daughter's hair? Like there'd be concern there as well. Right. If you're just like, yeah, I mean, you haven't bathed, then it, no yeah. problem. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an issue there too. It goes either side. Yeah. You can't completely not care. Yeah. But you just, I feel like life's so hard 
Yeah. And if we're caring about things that aren't that important or, or don't matter, she's adding more stress to our lives. Like you just, it's just hair. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And it's not like she went to school looking like a hot mess. Like, you know, we brushed it out, but she didn't have, you know, three braids perfectly crisscrossed yeah. with a cute bun that day, you know? And maybe some days we do that and it's fun, but it's not like a standard that we need to live by every day. That's so, and, and feeling of peace that comes oh from that gosh. Yeah. Or worse. From your daughter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I find myself now, this is the main difference, I think, than before and after doing the work is I now get curious and I walk back almost everything. And now it's like natural. Like I'm not sitting there like, oh, I got to stop and think, why am I doing this? It's just like, it's like, like it does it real quick. And then I can make a decision. So for example, a friend of mine, she covered part of a shift for me a few weeks ago. Yeah, She texted me today and said, hey, can you cover a few hours for me. The old me would have been like, oh, I have to do it. Like yeah. if I don't do it, she's going to hate me. She's not going to like me. She'll think I'm a bad friend. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't even consider if that even worked for me. I would just make it work. like break, break myself just to make it work. Yeah. But it's actually on my daughter's birthday. And so I can't. And at first I felt that old pool, like, you got to do it. Like, and I, all those old feelings, like, uh-huh. oh, they're not going to like you. What is that going to say about you? Uh-huh. But I went, no, no, like, it's okay. I, I, She knows that I love her. She knows I would be happy to do it. And even if, if she doesn't, if she does think those things about me, that doesn't, it doesn't matter because I know I had, I have good intentions. And so that's the, that's the, that's the expert level is <laughs> you, she does still think those things about me, but I rise above that. It's not personal. Like, I don't know what that means. I don't need to worry about what she thinks. I know it was, it was with good intention. I can't miss my daughter's birthday. Yeah. I won't miss my daughter's birthday. I, or I, I choose to not yeah. miss yeah. it. Right. Like that is your, oh, that just makes me so happy. <laughs> actually, because when you say, I, I wanted to ask you, when you said I'm a people pleaser, I wanted to say, give me some examples, but you just That's a, yeah, really good example. I can't say no. Yeah. Or um, I've got to do things. I got, I, I got to make sure everybody in the room is happy or whatever. There's right. so many ways. Right. We try. In fact, people regularly will say, I'm a people pleaser. And I think I probably said this to you because I'll say it to anyone who actually is asking about it. I'll say, oh, that just means you control. Yeah. It's about control. Trying to control other people's feelings. I don't want to feel those yucky feelings. I don't want contention. I don't want them to not like me. And so... I am going to sacrifice myself, my happiness, my peace in order to smooth it out. No rough seas, like smooth sailing. Yeah. And I, oh my gosh, I was doing that in every way possible, every aspect of my life. And it is exhausting. No one can do that. No. We start, things start coming out sideways when we do that because we're not being true to ourselves. We're not. And it creates resentment and it's such an ugly feeling that you don't even realize it. If you're doing stuff for the wrong reasons, it's going to create a resentment no matter what you do. You're so right, Mallory. That is so true. That's a really great example. Thanks for sharing that. How did she respond? Did you text her? She's like, oh, no, no problem. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have a life. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't going to make or break our friendship. If it did, then maybe I don't want to be her friend, right? You know, that's that's another thing I, I've been thinking about is as you do the work, you start realizing the relationships in your life that 
are supporting your healing in that path. And you see the ones that, oh, like we don't really have good intentions here. You know, is that a codependent relationship where um, like, so for self-love, I have to rely on myself. And if I expect our friendship to mean you have to make me feel good all the time, oh, you didn't respond to this. Yeah. That means you're a bad friend. Yeah. Instead of, you know what? She has a life too. So it's not my responsibility to make you happy. We get, we have this relationship because lo- love is a gift. Friendship is a gift. Yeah. It's not like a need, like you're responsible for, me. for making me happy. Yeah. So when you have, when you learn to love yourself, you stop looking for that in other people. And I feel like you just have, What's left is like an honest, true friendship. And that's such a gift. Where you can speak honestly. Yeah. And show up honestly and give and be generous when you can. For, with the right reasons. Yeah. With, yeah. with the right motive. Not for to get yeah. back. Not so that it's not like we're, okay, here's my dues for our friendship. Yeah. That's, that's so you you said I've been, I'm a people pleaser and... I'm pretty sure I asked you this, but I can't remember the exact experience, but I will often ask, when did you learn that? What age Mallory learned how to please other people, make sure their feelings were good? I It would have to be before I can even have a memory. Like it would have to be from childhood, early childhood. I'm the oldest of five kids. And, you know, for me, it was... The little kids, they're causing the problem. They're babies. They have needs. And if I have a need, it's just going to put, it's just going to put my mom over the edge. And so, you know, and my, you know, it's not my mom's fault. She was doing the best she could. Right. But, you know, unfortunately we're, this is, we start our learning at such a young age and we're just at the mercy of our parents' understanding of, of these concepts. And so once you're an adult, it's, it's so much unlearning. And looking back and like giving yourself validation. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It was from as early as I can remember, you know, being three years old. I, this is the earliest, one of the earliest memories I have. I had a nightmare and I was like three at the time. So I probably had like a, an infant sibling. Yeah. And he's the one, you know, in the bassinet, like having the needs throughout the night, right? Like waking up every couple of hours. Yeah. I had a nightmare. I went into the room. And I was trying to wake up my mom and dad, but I was scared too because I didn't want to bother them and just feeling so scared and like, oh, my needs don't matter. And that's when I started learning it at that young of an age. It's amazing. I believe it with my whole soul. We learn so young. We have no idea what we're learning. And as parents, we have no idea. No, we don't know that we're like, hey, you know, you stay in your bed and we've got to get our sleep and you know, we, we don't know that we say something like that. And then, you know, 30 years later, your daughter's talking about it on a podcast and you're like, oh my gosh. It's <laughs> so, so we all do it. We, the podcast coming out this week actually is on Mother's Day and talking about how so many women don't, don't love Mother's Day. Yeah. Often because of regret. Right. Things that we didn't know. Right. I regret things I did. I didn't even know I was doing but I can see with some distance and some space. So yeah, to shout out to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Bless her heart. She's probably still tired. Yeah. From raising. <laughs> okay. What else, Mallory? Um, I think something that helps me is learning to be connected with myself 
being present in the moment and doing check-ins with myself, um, which is hard to do. I have a busy life, you know, with working kids. And often it's just like task oriented, like next yeah. thing, next thing, next. And I've really had to, I've had to learn to stop and ask myself, like check in, why am I doing this? Do I need to do this? And it just brings so much more peace to my life when I, you know, on days when I'm tired, I go, you know what? I work night shift. I'm, of course I'm tired. Like I don't need to do the laundry today. And if it doesn't get done, it doesn't mean anything about my worth. So beautiful. Just it, it's just like if someone you cared about had worked all night and their laundry needed done. There's no chance on the planet you'd be like, what's wrong with you? Right. Laundry's not right. Right. But we allow that type of conversation in our head. Yeah. So, so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. To those who are listening, I want you to stop and ask yourself, where do I kind of beat myself up or drive myself? And instead of, and driving is not bad. Like I want to do my best. But if it's done from that space of, and if I don't, then something, you know, I'm not a good wife or right. what well, my husband thinks. If it's the next shame talk, you bet. Yeah. And I think just uh, as I've learned the definitions of these words and tried to describe my emotions, what I'm feeling with, with more, like using different words instead of just happy, sad or mad. Yeah. And I think as you learn how to describe what you're feeling, then and more specifically, then you can find a, a solution easier. If I'm feeling, oh, am I feeling like jealous? Then that's, it's easier to do that than, oh, I'm just feeling sad. So you can find a solution if you're really, like really sit down and ask yourself, what what am I feeling? And then do that walk yeah. back of, if I feel this way, why? Yeah. If I don't do this, what does that say about me? Yeah. Yes. And, and don't, yeah, it's a really good point. Don't stop it. I'm sad. Why am I sad? Yeah. Because that, little girl or that little boy inside of us just needs some care. It's like, oh yeah, it makes sense. I remember, you know, my kids could say, oh yeah, if my mom came home and she'd given us chores and we hadn't done the chores, then we were in trouble. Like we were losing privileges or whatever. And so it would make sense then as a, as an adult to feel a little bit of fear that, oh my gosh, the laundry's not done. Right. Because for my kids, they learned that young. Yeah. Yeah. So, validate, nurture, care for that girl who who was scared or hurt when I came home and I was upset or or impatient with them. And then remind yourself, like, I'm safe. This is who I am. This is what matters to me. And we'll move forward. I was talking with a friend just today about something in my own life and a fear that I have. And she said to me, how old is that little girl? And I'm like, well, no. I I really took I said I'm not sure and she said just just figure it out like when when did you feel fear of that first in your life and I love uh, how old is that little girl hmm. I don't know but I'm gonna find it you gotta think about it and love her yeah I'm just gonna remind myself that I'm not there anymore I'm in a different place mm-hmm. or how old was that girl I don't think she said little girl how old is that girl well I think she was probably up your day too Oh, yeah. Let's just give her some love and care and whatever. So, yeah, my aunt, she, um, her whole life, she was an ICU nurse. And once she retired, she started doing hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. And something that she always talks about is, um, so she had me bring in a picture of myself when I was 
a little girl. Mm-hmm. So I have this picture that I, it, I've looked at it so many times now that I, it's just in my memory. Yeah. And it's me and a little girl, little curls, and I'm holding up this little mermaid board game. And she says, think about that little girl and go back, give her a hug. Take what you know now and then imagine yourself going back in time to those moments where you needed validation and give yourself that validation. It's really good. And you've taught me that too. Like I was, I was sharing a moment during my driver's test where I just felt like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I suck. I'm stupid. There's no way. And you told me, go back in time. Imagine yourself talking to yourself, sitting in the car with you in that moment and saying, don't say that about yourself. You can do this. If you fail, it's it's all right. Okay. Do Does it, it again? It's not personal. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah. And that's been a really great tool in my life as like your friend said, how old were you? Yeah. How old was that little girl? That that's such an important tool because more often than not, the feelings we have now are something that's been programmed in us from an earlier age. No doubt. And so, you know, when they think about this, when they destroy a, a big building, they don't start at the top. They put the explosives in the basement mm-hmm. and then they ignite that dynamite or whatever it is, the whole building comes down. And so if you're able to find the root cause of some of these feelings, put that dynamite in the basement and you'll see a change in your life, you know, the way you respond to situations, similar situations as an adult, if you go back and validate that when when you first started feeling that way. I love that. I really love that. One practice that I do is um, I'll I'll find a picture of myself at that. Yeah. Like you just said, yeah, it'll go. And I'll leave it in my bathroom. Yeah. And I'll look at her and I'll, I'll just care and I'll care for myself in that way. Like it makes sense that I was scared or mm-hmm. hurt or excited or whatever the emotion is. Um, I just leave her there mm-hmm. long enough to where she's, I feel like she's cared for and seen. And um, just to say, I know there are places inside of me that need to be cared for. Yeah. How could you hate that cute little girl? No, I don't hate her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But our, your, to your point, our, generally speaking, how we show up as an adult comes largely from our experience. They learn. Children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something learned or as young adults or whatever. So Mallory, I just looked at the clock. I'm so sad. Tell me, what else do you have? Okay. Here's the last thing. Okay. I, whenever you talked about, you know, what should we talk about for this podcast? Yeah. To me, loving yourself is, at the core of healing. I think that, um, you know, I hate this analogy, but it's such a good analogy when you're on the airplane and they say, put your oxygen mask on first, right? We all, we've all heard that. Um, To me, that is such an important concept because if you learn to love yourself, that's going to impact everything else. So if you're looking for a first step, to me, that is the logical place to start. Love yourself, and then it just naturally comes. These other relationships can almost, the problems you're having will almost resolve because you've started the work on the inside. If I can teach my children anything, like number one thing I I would want to leave for my children is learn to love yourself. Mm. And you know the best way to teach them? Yeah, by by learning it myself and showing them that there's not a greater way to teach our children that they matter, that they're worthy of love, that their safety comes from God, not from anything down here, than to model that 
and inside yourself and you're doing that. You are actually doing that, Mallory. Um, there's a TED Talk and we'll put the link in the show by Sean Aker. Uh, he actually teaches one of the most popular class or the most popular class at Harvard, the happiness class. And I, he said, it's not necessarily reality that shapes us, but the lens through, through which our brain views the world that shapes your reality. And if you can change the lens, you can change your happiness. That's what you've done. When you say learn to love yourself, you have to change your lens. You've had to change your lens. You've had some of those false beliefs for a long time and coming in and saying, that's not true. The truth is this. But the problem is it's so hard to see where the false belief is, right? Unless someone who's willing to speak honestly um, to our experience. That, that he, Sean Aker gives this statistic. He says 10% of our happiness comes from external things. And 90% of our long-term happiness is predicted by the way our brain processes the world. So Mallory, what you came, what you've shared today, you just kept sharing how you changed your brain to view the world and your life experiences differently. We have so many opportunities in our life, so many to see things one way or the, we get to choose. I mean, there's a lot of ways to see things, but we get to, if we don't know how to stop and say, where's that thought coming from? What's creating that feeling? And then how do I want to choose to respond? I was at a, um, a large church meeting this past Sunday and I, there, it was such a good meeting. And I kept having these opportunities to redirect my thoughts. I'm a single person. I'm sitting in this large state conference and everyone's walking in with their family and my brain just kept, I just kept feeling this pull to go into some other space other than what was true, which is I am here to learn about Christ, here to connect with myself, with God and with other people. And then my thoughts would, no, that's not why I'm here. The truth is this. So we get to have, we will have these, I've had, several already today, opportunities to redirect my thoughts, which will direct redirect my feelings and my behavior. Hey, anything else you want to add to this? No, that's great. That's spot on. It, it, that's what I think is the toughest part is it's really constant. You have to be alert constantly. <laughs> and you know, it's not, you're not gonna be perfect and that's okay. Give yourself grace there. Um, but yeah, you just have to be in your, in your thoughts and, and curious. Why am I thinking that? And it, like you said, it can happen multiple times an hour, multiple times a minute. It's just rapid fire. And you get better at it the more you practice. Well, you said it earlier. I, I recognize it now and I can walk myself back to the source of where the anger is coming from. Um, that's, that's what doing the work looks like. And, and you don't have, you haven't come here for quite a while, right? You already know. You have the tool. You're my little shoulder angel yeah. now. <laughs> okay, good. good. You get that after five <laughs> sessions. <laughs> the, shoulder the shoulder angel, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that's my goal is to give you the tools so, so that you are completely capable of whatever comes into your life. Yeah, to be self-reliant. Yes. Mm -hmm. Every now and then we may need to tune up. Or For sure. We may feel strong enough to come on to the podcast <laughs> and share what we've learned. But that's the goal is for for you and me to 
be conscious of our thoughts so that we can redirect and create and live a life of happiness and joy. Thank you, Mallory. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. You will have many choices in our day. I hope we'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.